0: I was just thinking about um, just some of the really like particularly amazing healings I've seen God do um, or have been near or in the room when they've happened, not necessarily particularly involved with directly, but just witnessing them. I just feel like as we were just hearing God speak to us today and and challenging us on this, one of the things that can happen for us is to be like, really? Uh, And that might be your experience. Maybe you're new to uh, church life uh, or maybe you've come from church traditions where that's there hasn 't been that same expectation um, or, or reality of God breaking in, and um, uh, I was just yes yeah, so I, was, I was just kind of replaying some of them in my mind. Um, I used to be part of a like a, a ministry team for this really huge uh, youth event that um, New Frontiers, which is a family of churches we're part of, uh, runs. And we were every year at this event. It was an annual event. One night, there'd be like a night where we'd pray for healing. And basically, my job was to run a team of people who would find out who had been healed and get some of the more uh, immediately verifiable stories kind of up onto the stage uh, to share uh, with other people, which was um, administratively petrifying and kind of faith-staringly fantastic all at the same time. Um, and this was just this... so it was an amazing thing and loads and loads of stories from that. So two of them I particularly remember was um, a girl who had uh, all sorts of very, very strong allergies. Uh, so she um, carried an EpiPen with her at all times. She was uh, particularly uh, allergic to latex and um, I think probably something that was in certain types of fruit, like apples and stuff like that. I, I, don't, I don't know what, um, but she had these very, very strong allergies. So, uh, you know, some teachers here will know this. There's kids in your class who they've got a pen ready or you have to have it ready or whatever. Uh, so she was one of those kids. And um, she was at a, a meeting and there was a guy praying for healing and, and he prayed and, and she said she really felt God had done something in her. She felt like in the moment that he spoke, he'd healed her. And, um, and <laughs> so obviously, if you've got very sensitive allergies that are life-threatening, you can't just be like, oh, let's just find out. But at some point, you've got to find out. And so I think one of her parents was on the site. It was a camp, sorry, it was a camp event. Uh, so the kids were all awake. So the youth leader, and I, either the youth leader rang their parents who were part of the church or one of the parents was there. I can't remember what. But either way, they basically got to this point where they sat her down, pen ready. <laughs> and she took a bite of an apple and another bite and another bite. And then uh, all the other kids at the, at the event, uh, the way you showed that you'd paid for the event is that you had a rubber uh, wristband. And obviously, she couldn't wear that. Put a rubber wristband on. And a year later, she was testifying at the event about how God had completely healed her from that and how now she was able to wear (laughs) rubber wristbands, hallelujah, but eat fruit. Um, And she'd been completely healed. Um, One of the other things that had happened another uh, one of those years was um, there'd be people there who, who were deaf and they needed signing. And so there'd be a signing team, kind of if this was the big stage, a lot bigger, there'd be a team around there who would do signing. And what would happen is young people would come forward to respond and obviously that wasn't very convenient for the signing team and the, the deaf community who were sitting there. And so I had to, as the person making sure that all didn't go crazy, had to kind of speak to the lady who was doing the signing and say, so at some point, we, I guess before we need to move you out of the way or at least there's going to be a whole wave of young people coming forward so just to prepare you for that. And, um, and she said fine. She was able to do sign because she was deaf but she also uh, she had hearing aids and so uh, she was able to listen through the the tech system magic to what was being said and then, uh, and then sign that to the kids there. And so I spoke to her at the beginning of the meeting. A couple of hours later, lots of wonderful things happened, and then she walks up to me holding her her ear, ear, uh, hearing aids. and She's like, I don't need these anymore. I don't need this. God has healed me in, the, in a moment. And, uh, and again, what the, thing, what the event would do is we'd, we'd record those stories and then a year later we would get people to share them. Uh, so it wasn't just... That, so there was no way you could just be like, this has happened, I seem to be Okay. Uh, it was like, this has been verified. We've gone to the doctors with this. We've, you know, people have had to like, write on reports spontaneously healed, which there isn't really a drop-down option on that in most like, <laughs> menus, but this is what God has done. And Just one other story. There was a lady in my previous church. Uh, she had, again, I'm apologies for not remembering all the details, but uh, she, she had some, some things in her internal organs that meant she was going to have to have a full uh, hysterectomy, and uh, she had like one more pre-op scan uh, to have, and then it was going to happen. And, um, and it was obviously serious enough that that needed to be done. And we were just having a, a meeting one. Uh, it was a Sunday meeting, and uh, one of the other guys was preaching. And I, can't, I think he just said, you know, be healed in the name of Jesus, very general kind of thing. And there was a, <laughs> a really big crash at the back of the room because she just hit the floor. And she went for her scan the next day, and as I said, I can't remember what it was, but all the things that were in there that meant that this operation had to happen had gone. Like, they'd absolutely gone. She was totally fine. She never had to have that operation. That was you know, years and years and years and years ago. So I just wanted to tell you those stories because God is a God who heals, He actually is a God who heals, and we live with all the stuff, and living with COVID. It was interesting when Callum was bringing that fresh challenge yeah, We're using this phrase at the moment, living with COVID, and that is part of living in a fallen world, is that we live with some of this, but actually God is able to break through, and God is willing to show his love and his kingdom, and what we're one day going to experience fully, even right now, and those are some stories of that. So if that's maybe just stirred your faith, I want to just encourage you to pray right now. If there was something that you were praying for earlier, why don't you just bring some fresh faith to God? say God I believe you can do that that there was nothing different between those people and me Uh, they were sinful people I'm a sinful person they needed help I need help the the factor is the 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 power of God so why don't we just ask God right now just to come with his power again and it's fine to pray more than once we're encouraged in fact to do that to pray with perseverance to keep knocking knowing that this is a door that God can open so whatever you've got whatever it is I was praying for myself Now I was also praying for a couple of other people who I really want to see them healed. I really want to see their lives changed. And just now we pray for the the power of God to be released. Just as you did, Lord, in that tent, just as you did at that church, just as you uh, did here. A few years ago, Jocelyn leaping on stage with arthritis in her knees, I think it was, just gone. Absolutely gone in a moment. God, you have healed people in this very room. Now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, come with healing power, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, obviously, I'm going to need to speak um, really fast for the rest of this time to (laughs) fit in all the other things, because surely God wanted me to say everything that I've written down as as, as well as that. But God's doing loads of things. All at once. God is doing, He is healing people. He's healing people here. He's healing people around the world right now. And He's sustaining all things right now. So the reason that the atoms in your body exist and are held together is essentially because God is maintaining that which He Made and he is delighting. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are delighting in one another. Uh, They love each other. Uh, They rejoice in their uh, community and unity as Trinity. That is happening right now. And God is building his church. And God is bringing all things towards their conclusion that will be in Christ when Jesus returns. He is doing these things. He's not passive. Uh, He's not just kind of sitting or waiting or anything like that. He's doing these things. And one of the other things that God is doing is he's assuring his children of his love for them. And just as he loves to sustain all things, just as he loves uh, to delight in the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just as he loves to build his church, just as he loves to bring all things to a head in Christ, so he loves to assure you, if you're a Christian, of his love for you. He wants to do this. He loves to do this. And we're going to see how committed he is uh, to doing this by reading just a short passage from Romans chapter 8. And then we're going to look at the things that uh, we're told in here that God does to assure us of his love. So Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is God's word. It tells us four things here that the Spirit does to assure us of God's love. And the context of all four of them is related to the Christian status as a child of God. And that's complicated for us because... We've all experienced, uh, or even lacked experience of, earthly uh, fathers, and those experiences are profound, whether they've been really good, they've been really bad, or they've been, for most people, like a variety of points in between. When you say father, or when you say child, the thing you're most likely to think about is your own experiences of that. But God is the one who defines what fatherhood truly is, and what being a child truly is. And I think today is going to be one of those days which he helps some of you come to a greater understanding of what that means and have a greater uh, sense of certainty and sense of delight and confidence in what it means for him to be your father and for you to be his child. And Paul says four things in this passage. And I'm going to put them in kind of slightly the order in which we experience them. So he talks about what's happened in our past. If we're a believer, he says you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Things that, that's something that has happened to you and now continues to happen. He talks about things that are happening to you right now. He says, We cry, Abba, Father, and the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He also says that right now we are being led By the Spirit of God, and then he says about something that's kind of happening now, but is still to come. He says, "We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, that we may, in order that we may also be glorified with Him in the future." So these are some of the ways in which the Spirit can assure us of God's love for God's children. Why don't we pray that He would do that today? Lord, just as we believe that you are able and willing to heal, so we believe because your word tells us that you're willing and able to give us greater assurance of what a wonderful father you are and what a privilege and joy and loving relationship uh, being your child is. And Lord, this is complicated for all of us in one way or another, but you, Holy Spirit, know each one of us and you are able to bear witness with each spirit in this room the spirit of every person in this room you're able to be at work in them that they might know more of what a wonderful loving father the father is and you want to bring glory to him I know that and Jesus you have revealed him to us we know that so we pray now that you would be at work doing this amen Amen. So, four things. The first of this happened in the past, adoption. Paul says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. So, he's writing this to people who have put their trust in Jesus already. If you don't know God, if you're visiting us uh, here today, or even you've been coming around for, along for ages because someone else brings you, um, you may have an unhealthy fear or distrust of God. Uh, you'll have noticed that people tend, who don't believe in God, tend not to say things like, well, God's absolutely wonderful, but I just don't believe in him. People don't say that. People say, I've got a problem with God. Uh, if God's so lovely, if God's so this, then why has this happened? There is a fear and a distrust of him because they don't know who he is. As you come to know who he is, that changes. That changes. And Jesus has made God known. And what has he shown us? He has shown us that God is the creator, that God is the judge of all the world, and that he is the redeemer and the father of all those who believe in him. He is immeasurably greater than us. And he has got claims on us because he made us and we belong to him. And we are in trouble because of that, because we have sinned against him. We've gone our own way, and we've we've not cared for him. We've not loved him. We've mocked him. We've ignored him. And we haven't done good to the people around him whom he loves and whom he wants us to bless. We've lived for ourselves instead of others. And we have racked up a debt we cannot pay, and we have incurred a guilt, the punishment for which we cannot bear. And because of his love, there's no but at that point. It's and. Because of his love, God sent his son to take that punishment and to pay that debt on the cross. Whatever it is, however high it is, however filthy it is, however unimaginably complicated it is, Jesus dealt with it. And so we can be free from our sin. We can be righteous in God's eyes. We can be victorious in how we live. And that would be more than enough but it is not the limit of God's love and God's desire for you. Because he clears our debt and he clears our guilt and he does far more than that. He embraces us and he brings us into his family. John 1.12 says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. All receive the right to become children of God in the culture that Paul was writing to uh, when he refers to adoption this was a legal event which would happen when a person usually an adult actually was basically became part of a family or was uh, or was shown to be or was announced to be a member of that family who wasn't a birth child and they were given all the rights of belonging to that family they were given the family name and they were also going to inherit the estate that belonged to that family And it's because this was always a man in that culture that Paul says adoption as sons. That's why he uses that. And I know that's awkward if you're not going to be a son. You're like, why is that? Well, that's what Paul's doing, saying this is an inheritance moment. But then he talks about being children of God. And this is what God does for all those who saves, male and female. He brings them into his family. And that language choice isn't just like, oh, that's a good metaphor. Let's use that. No, it is It is essential to the character of God, to the loving nature of God. This is not an impersonal arrangement. There are billions of people who God has saved and will save, but he knows you and he wants you. And that's why he says, I'm adopting you into my family. This isn't a kind of reluctant arm's length act of charity. is not someone saying, there you go, see you later, have a good day. It's not what he's doing. It's adoption. And adoption brings us into the family. And it makes us part of the family. And this is God, therefore, bringing us into a full experience of who he is. He doesn't just want you to know some things about him. He wants you to know the most important thing about him and to experience that. The theologian J.R. Packer wrote that you sum up the whole of the New Testament teaching in a single phrase. If you speak of it as a revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator... In the same way, you sum up the whole of New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much they make of the thought of being God's child and having God as their father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls their worship and prayers and their whole outlook on life, it means that they do not understand Christianity very well at all. Father is the Christian name for God. As I've said, for some, father is a name meaning terror or letdown or absence. And for all of us, our earthly father can at best be an approximation of what God is like. And that's why the spirit doesn't leave us without an understanding of what God is like. He gives us the word which he wrote in which we see what God's fatherhood looks like and is. That it is perfect love, that is immeasurable kindness, that it is care and attention and involvement and strength and patience and forgiveness and nurture and presence and many, many more things besides. The Spirit wrote this so that we could see it and then He opens our eyes so that we could believe it. This is being a Christian. And I have to ask you, is this who you are? Do you know this for yourself? Have you put your trust in Jesus that he's died for your sins, to pay your debt and to bring you into the family of God? You can do this today. You can experience this today. This certainty, this confidence, this love, this complete life change is here for you today if you ask God to do it. So as you think about that, we're going to see some of the other things the Spirit does to assure us of his love. So the first thing that Paul says he does in the present is is the sense of testimony. Paul says, you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So God gives us his spirit that we might know in every way that we are God's children. We might know it intellectually, but we might also know it emotionally. We might know it experientially. Jesus has had uh, the eternal privilege of relating to the father as the son. It's the most wonderful relationship, and he didn't hoard it to himself. He has shared it with all those who, uh, who belong to him. So he teaches us to pray. He doesn't just say, well, I, I can pray to my father, but you need to use his other words. He says, this is how you're to pray, our father. I'm bringing you in, he says, to the same kind of relationship that I have with the father. And he, it's just such a radical moment. There's, there is encouragement about this in the Old Testament, uh, but the Jews that Jesus was around weren't really thinking in that way, and he changes it. And so that then just goes throughout the whole church. Everywhere you go, when people put their trust in Jesus, he and the Father send the Spirit that they would cry out to God, as Jesus did, Abba, Father. That's, that's their desire. That's what they do. They're like, Jesus, I'm bringing you into this. I'm telling you that it's true, and now I'm going to send the spirit, who's the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption, into you for you to experience this for yourself. Paul's language here implies emotion. So the the scholar Douglas Moo says that in using the verb crying out, Paul stresses that our awareness of God as Father comes not from rational consideration nor from external testimony alone, but from a truth deeply felt. And intensely experienced. Kind of to put it, I don't know, crudely or whatever, the spirit was at work in the facts of the gospel of adoption coming to us and is now at work in the feelings of adoption being experienced by us. Martin Luther, uh, the reformer, gave us a sense of what this is like. He said, Abba is but a little word and yet it contains all things. Even if the mouth doesn't say it, the heart says it. Even when I'm oppressed with anguish and terror on every side and seem to be forsaken and utterly cast away from your presence, yet I am your child, and you are my father for Christ's sake. I am beloved because of the beloved. This little word is more profound than all the greatest eloquence in all the world. Paul says that is to be the experience of all Christians for every one of us here who's a believer. Now, there is going to be variety within that because Paul says that the Spirit testifies with our spirit. So there's this thing where almighty, unchanging God is interacting with very changeable, very different to you, me. And so there is that sense of how our personalities and our circumstances can affect our awareness of the Spirit's work in us and can affect our response to him. Caveat, that doesn't mean, like, oh, I'm, never just gonna, I'm just never going to really experience God's love. I'm just not that kind of person. Okay, you, you don't get to decide those things. What it might look like may be different for you than it is from other people. But I sometimes, as we become more and more aware of different personalities and different preferences and stuff like that, people are sometimes like, well, that means I get to define what God will do in and with my life. And that's just not true. So I just want to really, actually, some of you, you've been bound by that. You're like, that's what I'm like. Now, I could never do that because I'm a this person. I, can never, I never want to do that because I'm this person. And I, I know what that's like. I don't, there's loads of things I don't like doing because I've got preferences. But actually, some of, you, some of us, that is stopping us from doing what God wants us to do. If that's just resonating with you right now, you're just very used to saying, yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, no, no, but I'm not. And God just wants to say, no, but I'm almighty God. I'm your father. Chris, can you get me a drink? I'm like, I'm not emotional about this. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> So it is very emotional. But that's just some of you have been like, I'm like this, and God's saying, yeah, but I'm like this. And that is the defining word. So there are things that all of us can do to increase our awareness of of who we are in Christ and our relationship to the Father. And when we do these things, the Spirit, it's like he takes hold of them and gives them a force and a power and a resonance that we could never do in and of ourselves. But he loves working with us. and So we need to take hold of that. These are invitations to personal, daily encounters with God, with him as your father. So very simply, very basically, speak to him as your father. Call him father. As you do that, you are entering into a different He is our Lord, and it's right to call him Lord. And I call him Lord. I can't say your will be done. Absolutely. But actually, Jesus said, when you speak to him, say, Father. And there's something of doing that that will change our understanding of his care and his love for us. And and because he's our Father, he actually cares about everything. Uh, I know not all earthly fathers do that. I know that because I don't. But he is a father of infinite knowledge and wisdom and love and patience. And he wants you to bring all the things, to bring all the things to him. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. Oh, could you help me with this tiny fraction of a thing? And because he's your loving father, he wants to do that. And the more you talk to him about those things, the more you realize he is listening. He's actually able to answer those prayers. Sometimes with a wonderful, oh, you actually did what I asked. and other with a, okay, that was better than I asked. Okay. We have moments just, just responding to things and not just responding to them or thinking, how can I tell other people about this, but actually speaking to him in that moment. So we might be amazed by creation. You just might. You know, it's just. Blo- is there more blossom this year than you just stupid? Question. I don't know. But just, I'm just noticing blossom a lot at the moment. It just seems to be everywhere, and I'm. I'm I just find it amazing. And uh, and so there's moments where we're amazed by creation. There's also moments where we might just be angered by injustice. I mean, is it just me, or is there a lot of awful injustice in the world right now? Like, I don't know about blossom, but I'm pretty certain about the injustice thing. And we're like, what do we do at that moment? And what God wants you to do is speak to Him. And you might just say with, with a piece of creation, you know, because he's the one who made everything, and he's the one who's going to make everything right. So it's within his, you know, competency. And you might just say, you might say something, see something beautiful, and you go, "That is amazing. That's just amazing." And, and honestly, that could be any good thing. Like I just need, like Sam was just doing some great drum fills earlier. I was just loving. It. I was like, "God, that's so cool." <laughs> like, you know, and whatever it is, it's just like you, you're able to. You're just, I'm talking to my father. I'm like, "That's so cool." That's wonderful, that's amazing. And there's other things where you're like, please, would you do something? In both of those things, we are relating to him as father because we're talking in that way. We read his word. If you read it like, what have I got to do today? Or if you even read of like, how is the best way to live my life today? It, It is those things. The Bible is those things. But what the Bible really is, is a revelation of who God is, who your father is, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do. And when you, when you ask him to open your eyes to see it like that, and when you come to it like that, it changes your understanding of him. I think one of the things, it did, I know this sounds really stupid, but this, the thing that happened a lot with, with me, with uh, my dad in certain things, he was just really brilliant at some things. And I know it sounds really it made me really proud. And our Heavenly Father is amazing. <laughs> like, he's amazing. And... and and there's a point of like, reverent loving of him, just being like, God, you're incredible, you're incredible. There's also this thing of, like, what, he's my dad. And that's a very strange thing, but that's part of our... That, that, that is, there is a worship in that when we do that rightly. So I just want to encourage you to, to do this, to step into it. We, we are living at a time where basically anyone, at any moment, whenever they can, has their screen on and ideally headphones in two. And it's like they can't bear the prospect of being alone with their thoughts. And this isn't a uniquely modern phenomenon at all, but we live at a time that's particularly brilliant at finding ways to kind of fill that void. And, and you know, it's not like I'm always tuned into God. Like, it's not I just want to watch some TV or whatever. But for Christians, those moments of pause, of, of nothingness even... They are opportunities to have conversations with our Father. And the Spirit has been given to us that we can. And we don't have to go to a place to do it. You don't have to get into a pose to do it because the Spirit is testifying with our spirit. He is within us. He's been given to us in this profound way. In Philippians 4, Paul encourages aspiration, which is thinking about good and true things. He says, whatever's true, whatever's honourable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then he concludes, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It's just a really interesting connection, isn't it? Paul's like, think about those things, dwell on them. And as you're doing so, you're actually going to be having encounters with God as you speak to him. He can, of course, do this through listening to wonderful music, to learning new things, even to speaking to other people. And it's sometimes actually that when we're surrounded by, like, noise and chaos and people and deadlines, we're like, I, I, need, I need the Spirit to speak to me right now. And he is gracious and he can do that. But if we never stop the soundtrack, if we never stop the busyness, if we just kind of replace, like, work busy with another busy and think that it's we're much less likely, I think, to experience these moments of his love. The Spirit wants this to be our ordinary daily life. But there are times when he blesses us particularly with an increased awareness of God's love. There's a Puritan writer called Thomas Goodwin, and um, someone else paraphrased something that he said. He said, a father is walking down the road with his child's hand in his own, and the child is enjoying the presence of their father and knows that they are loved. Then, without the child doing anything special, moved only by the father's love, the father reaches down and scoops them off their feet and up into his arms. And he hugs the child tightly and showers them with kisses and tells them that he loves them more than life itself and sets them down again. The child already knew his father loved them. There was no doubt. But, oh, the added measure of assurance, the joy of knowing that love is not based on anything you have done, but simply flows out of the heart of the Father. That it would, That is what it means to have God near. And I don't know about you, but I just praying, spirit, you'd give me more of those experiences. And Lord, for my brothers and sisters here too, that we would, you know, we recognize like him, these are moments of incredible, I don't know what, but we ask for them. We long for them. It's good to ask for them. I, I think it's not necessarily great to chase after them in terms of just like, am I, do I feel love today? Do I feel love today? Do I feel, I'm not sure that's a, I don't think that's a healthy way to kind of live any relationship, certainly not the most mysterious and complex one you will ever experience, which is our relationship with God. But rather, as we and the Spirit focus our attention on who God is, and as we listen for Him. We will see more of him and we will, we will we will be assured because of who he is. Does God love me? Well, Who is he? He's a faithful God. He's the God who does not change. He's the God who sent his son to die for you. He is the God who has brought you into his family. Does God love you? Yes. Don't wait to feel that. It's true. But as you celebrate that, Truth, you are more likely, I think, to feel it. Thirdly, and rapidly, the other thing that he does is is he leads us. Paul says in verse 14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And when we hear that word led, we tend to think that means guidance, which obviously the Spirit can do. But that isn't, I don't think, what Paul has in mind in this verse. Because the verse before it, he says, if you live according to the flesh, which means going your own way, you'll die but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. So that's the context for saying being led by the Spirit, putting to death the deeds of the body, putting to death, living your own way. In a similar passage in Galatians, he uses the same phrase, led by the Spirit, to mean exactly this, to be living God's way. And so being led by the Spirit is a into holy living, into living in in a way that pleases God, is a sign and assurance of our being God's children and of our being God's sons because he uses these things to make us more like his son. It's One of the great assurances to know that we are his children is that we are like his beloved child. And the Spirit will lead us into that, putting away things that are not like Jesus and taking hold of things that are. Jesus has shared his victory over sin. Whether you have been struggling with something for years and years and years, whether you just like moved into a new season of life, and there's a whole fresh load of temptations that you're struggling to deal with, by the Spirit, you can put those things to death. They no longer need to be part of who you are, because the Spirit of Almighty God is at work in you. Now, in the same way that when we were talking about spiritual gifts, we said, God won't give you all the spiritual gifts. He'll give people around you spiritual gifts that you'll be blessed. In the same way, the Spirit will make you more like Jesus, not just through the things you do with him, but the things that other people around you do with you. And so when we confess our sins uh, to one another, this is the Spirit at work in us. When we when we are reminded by other people of his love for us and of his truth and how we're meant to live. That's the spirit at work. When we ask for and receive prayer, when people come to us and say, how are you? Asking that kind of, in that serious way. We are, we are inviting the spirit to get to work in our lives. And then he gives us the power that we need to make decisive actions, to make those choices that we might not have thought were possible and by ourselves aren't possible. But with the spirit of Christ in us, we are able to say no to these things, yes to these things. We're not doing this because we're fearful of punishment. We're not doing this because we might get, you know, we might get, you know, this isn't uh, like a popularity contest where it's like, sorry, you don't make the mark, you're out. This isn't a job that you might get fired when your appraisal isn't up. This isn't a degree that you can fail. This is the family of God that he has brought you into forever and always. And the more you know that, and the more you know his love, the more he will change you, and the more those old other things will just seem so distasteful, because the Spirit is making you more like Jesus. Jesus didn't resist things in a kind of like, I really want to, but I'm not allowed to. Jesus loved the things of God. He hated those things, and that is a change that God works in us, Now, that is a complicated change because he'll do different things at different times. But that's one of the signs that the Spirit is at work in you, is that you you grow to hate things that perhaps in the past you really loved. How did I ever watch that? How did I ever do that, say that? Well, the reason that now seems strange to you is not because you're older and wiser. It's because the Spirit of God has been transforming you into the image of the Son of God. Now, of course, of course. We are made deeply aware of the Father's love when we come to him in repentance again and find yes. He still loves us. He's not going to cast us out. That his mercies are new every morning. Of course we do. But, if we, if, but when we sin, we are saying no to God. And if you do that more and more and more, you will find it harder and harder and harder to feel like you're close to him. And, and he doesn't want that for you. He wants you to feel close. And you are, you are making yourself out of sync with him, out of tune. And, 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 but so that's why you need to be led by the Spirit. Final thing. We're nearly there. Paul says, if we're children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Most of us instinctively doubt God's love when things go wrong. We want assurance and we're looking for that in God doing what we would like, please, or what, doing what surely is the nice, the best, the right thing to do. And there is some support for that in God's word. It's it's mostly in the Old Testament where God's The the evidence of God's favor was often physical. It was land, it was wealth, it was children. Uh, Although, interestingly, if you were reading Psalm 49 in our reading plan this morning, there was a lot of ambivalence about all of those things in that. And the New Testament says that any good thing we receive is from God. So if you receive a blessing of some sort, that is from God. That's great. But Jesus really does change our view on what these things are. He says they aren't the goal. They are signposts to the true, eternal, unlosable blessings of the kingdom of God that is still to come. Jesus is the ultimate evidence of this. He's the most blessed person who ever lived. How did that go for him? Well, didn't get married, didn't have a home. He had literally no possessions. The last thing he owned was taken from him before he was crucified. And he was crucified and abandoned. And he too, we are told, was led by the Spirit. And the Spirit, where did the Spirit lead him? Well, he led him into the wilderness to be tempted. And he cried, Abba, Father. And the one place where actually he always refers to God as his Father, there's only one place that actually has him saying, Abba, Father. It's in Gethsemane. It's when he is facing the cross and in desperation, he's praying to God. So all the blessings of sonship, all the blessings we've talked about, how did they work for Jesus? Well, through the cross. And his conclusion on this, he says in Luke 24, 26, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? So some Christians will tell you that Jesus experienced all of that so that you wouldn't have to. But the New Testament says that the route the son took is the route that all the family's going to take. So how does the spirit use this to assure us of God's love? Because, again, it's part of how he is making us to be more like the beloved son. And that's his ultimate aim for us. So the way our amazing older brother went is the way we are all to follow. I was speaking to someone the other day, they just... You know, when you speak to someone who's just experienced a lot worse than you, you're like, my goodness, how are you alive? And they were saying that when yet another hard or frustrating or difficult things happen, they've learned to think, okay, God's got more work that he wants to do in me. I've not got to that point yet. I'm used to screaming at the thing that's gone wrong. (laughs) That's what I do. I'm like, oh, no. I learned to actually "No, what's going on at that moment. One of the things going on at that moment is that God is going to do some more work in me. And that has led me to pray slightly less for things to change and slightly more for me to be changed, which is probably what God wants to do. And and Paul says in Romans 5 that suffering can lead to this. As we trust God, we put our hope in God, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And Paul says this leads to us in the end sharing Christ's inheritance. Sharing Christ's inheritance. That's the will. That's the plan of God. The journey we take will be the same shape he took. Through the cross, through the grave. And then risen into glory. And we get glimpses of that glory now. How? By the Holy Spirit. Who Paul elsewhere describes as the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. He is the... He's the taste. He's the sample. The moments we have of that joy, that love, and they're fractured. Sometimes you're trying to look at them and they've gone. Sometimes you experience them in a sustained way for a while and it's wonderful. But those are glimpses, moments of what is to come when we will one day enjoy forever the limitless life-giving love of God the Father. we begin to experience this now in all sorts of ways. We're in a world that's a mess and we are still messy and that means assurances of God's love is something that we are always going to need and that's always going to be complicated. We'll feel the lack of them. And all of us here experience troubles. All of us also experience success and that can also lead to doubts and challenges and things like that. But it is a work of the Holy Spirit to make us increasingly aware of the love of God the Father for us. And he loves doing this. He loves doing this. You are not, we're not coming to a reluctant God. I really want you to know how much I love you because that gives me more glory. So why don't you stand if you're able to stand? He's done it through the good news of salvation and adoption. He's telling you the Father loves you. The Spirit told you that and enabled you to believe it. He does it through meeting with us in beautifully personal ways at any possible time. He does it By making us more like the eternally beloved son through killing the sin that is in us and enabling us to grow and endure through suffering. He is a loving gift to us. Let's let's just thank him. Let's just rejoice in what he has done and in what he is doing. And as we do that, we can also ask him more of your love. Please, God.